All right, let, could, we, could we stand in honor of God's word? <clears throat> We're in, we are in message two in the book of Jonah. Here we go. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me, I called to you from the land of the dead. That word dead there is Sheol. And Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves. And the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with, my, with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all of my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the, shore, onto the beach. Jonah, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, this is a very um, in-your-face word. Could there be a hiddenness of me? Could there be no brashness, no... No sense of edge in this word. You, you are pure love, even when you speak something very strong and very straight. So help us, Lord, to hear you. Please, God, set each one of us free like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. All right, the second verse that goes with this is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 13. It's where our title comes from. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And so the title of the message is Disabled or Healed. Point one, what happened to Jonah? He was swallowed, it simply says, by a great fish. Was that a blue whale? Was that a great white shark? Either one of them have room. They can swallow a human being whole. Uh, or did God come up with some other species? Or did God make a fish for that? We don't know. But the miracle of it is, is that Jonah lived inside of there for three, for three days. How it started... Jonah is absolutely convinced he is going to die. 
He's convinced he's going to die when he tells them to throw him over, that he is going to be a sacrifice. While he's going down to the bottom of the sea and he's crying out to God and he's entering Sheol, which is the place where, where uh, both the righteous and the unrighteous dead go in the Old Testament. The New Testament word for it is Hades. It means all receiving. There was, there was this place in the middle of the earth that... That, that there were two regions. One was the, a region of torment for the wicked, and one was, uh, it's called Abraham's bosom or paradise for the righteous. But both were together. They were both in the middle of the earth, and Jonah is going down to this place, feeling like he is just about to enter those gates. And he cries out to God. He says, I called to you from the land of the dead, the, the land of Sheol. Did he actually enter it or only approach it? He says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. I don't know if his, if, his, if his soul ever actually left his body or if he just had that sinking as he's going down, down, down. But here's what we know for sure. He's really, really close to death. And at the very last minute, last second, God snatches him from death in answer to his cry and to his prayer. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus says this, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jesus suffered for our sins and paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. After he died, he did not immediately go to heaven. He went down to Hades. He went down to this place that, that had, Jesus gives us all the information about it or, or the most clear information in Luke 16. There are two regions. One is where there, it's torment and one is uh, called Abraham's bosom. It's also called paradise, but it's in the earth. And uh, he goes down there for three days. And he's on the righteous side with all of the righteous that are locked in this place, Hebrew, Sheol, Greek, Hades. When Jesus rises from the dead on the third day, he receives authority, not just from heaven, which he already had that authority, but he received earth's authority, which includes Hades. Listen to this, Revelation 1, 17 and 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. Death is where bodies go. Hades is where souls go. Jesus got the keys of Hades. Listen to Hebrews chapter, or I'm sorry, Ephesians 4, 9 and 10. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives 
and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Jesus goes down. He said to the thief on the cross, remember what he said? Today I'll be with you in paradise. Paradise is the, the, re, the bosom of Abraham, the region of Hades where the righteous went. There was no suffering there. There was waiting there. What were they waiting for? Heaven was not opened yet. People couldn't go to heaven yet. Jesus said, I am the way to the Father. Jesus received authority and he unlocked Hades so that all of the righteous were released. All those prisoners were released from this earth and could now go to heaven, which is when why Christians die today to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. They go right to heaven. There still is a place called Hades, but right now it's only a place holding the wicked for final judgment. The righteous side of Hades, the paradise side, has been emptied and is now in heaven. This is what Jesus did for us. There was nothing men could do, nothing women could do to unlock uh, our boundness to this earth. But what we could not do for ourselves, Jesus did through his, his death and his resurrection. Amen. Point two, the discipline of the Lord. So Hebrews 12, 13, the whole, all of Hebrews 12 is about God's discipline. It's about how to respond to God's discipline. It's about don't come to the wrong conclusion. Don't think God is rejecting you. Don't think God hates you. Uh, when your life is hard, God loves you. His discipline is a sign of his acceptance. And, and it, if you have the wrong response, you can become disabled instead of healed. Now, there's two types of discipline. One is initiated by God, and the second is initiated by us. The kind initiated by a parent is this. I am training you. I am teaching you how to live in the real world. I'm teaching you how to work, teaching you about responsibility, teaching you about uh, uh, perseverance, staying at it. I'm teaching you how to work, how to get along, how to be trained for this world. It is initiated by the parent for the good of the child. Is it enjoyable? No. We'd rather play and have fun and watch video games. But parents are responsible to train their children, so that they can be successful in whatever their calling is. So I had a young man last Sunday night, and uh, he was here for a long time. He's just got a great heart, tender heart with the Lord. And, and he, it, it, we got to chat afterwards, and he said, he said just to be honest, he said, I've, I've been angry with God. Here I am called to called to ministry, I'm trying to seek him for ministry, and my life is so hard, and I'm just, I'm struggling to, just with anger towards God. I said, bro, I said, I got a verse for you. I don't know that you're going to like it, but I have a verse for you. You ever had one of those? I said, it's Jeremiah 12.5. 
Jeremiah's young in ministry. He's called by the Lord. And it's really hard. And he's complaining. And he is wanting some sympathy from heaven. You know what God says to him? Here's God's response to his, I, I'm, I'm upset. My life is so hard. It's so difficult. Here's, here's, here's what God says to him. If you have run with men and been worn out, how are you going to run with horses? If you're falling in a land of peace, how are you going to stand in the thicket of Jordan? He's saying to Jeremiah, dude, I'm preparing you for something. I'm preparing you for great things. I'm preparing you to run with horses, and you're in boot camp. Uh, I'm, I'm training you. I'm getting you ready. This isn't a punishment. This is because I love you. This is because there's a high calling on your life. This is because uh, it's going to require more of you. Has anybody noticed anything about American culture? It's kind of a soft culture. We just kind of resent anything being hard. And so we want it to be as easy as possible. And all of technology is to make it easier. And all the advertising is about how we could be even more comfortable and do less and comfort, comfort, comfort. And sometimes we just bring that right over to our Christianity and we think that's how the kingdom is. And um, guys, God, God's on a mission. Yeah, we're the family of God. We're loved. Yeah, we need to get healed. But we're also the army of God. And God needs us to get equipped and go and do what he is calling us to do. And so um, sometimes God's discipline is simply initiated by him to train us for his calling for us. We haven't done anything wrong. It's actually because we've done something right. And, and he wants to get us ready for the full thing that he wants to do in and through us. And a lot of times, the reason why hardship has to come is because sometimes God using us greatly would actually destroy us <laughs> because we got, we got to get more character in. We got to get a little more foundation molded in. But of course, in the second type of discipline, and this is the, the discipline that we're seeing with Jonah, it's initiated not by God. It's initiated by us, okay? God wanted to lead us by just his sweet, tender voice. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, go do this. And Jonah said, uh-uh, not doing it. And he went the opposite way. Well, God loves us so much, even though God didn't send Jonah to Tarshish. God was trying to send him to Nineveh. He fled the presence of the Lord and went to Tarshish. God didn't send him there, but guess what? God followed him there. When Elijah got discouraged and worn out and became afraid and he fled in fear, it says, to, to this cave called on Mount Horeb. Horeb means desolation. He's, he's in this cave of desolation. And this is the great prophet Elijah who, who for three years has only done exactly what God has said. And he's, he's been fed by ravens and he was fed by the widow of Zarephath and, and he's, he's had the huge uh, face off with Ahab and power of God and the rain coming and that Elijah becomes afraid and starts being led by fear instead of by God and he went to a place God never sent him. But God followed him. He gets in the cave and he's God comes and, and he asks him a question and here's the question he asks. Elijah, what are you doing in this cave? 
What are you doing here, Elijah? God gives Jonah a second chance. It says, then the word, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. New chance, new chance to obey. The word of the Lord came a second time. Let let me tell you one thing about hearing God. God prefers the honest no of the sinner than the religious, than than the empty yes of the religious. I'm gonna say it again. He prefers the honest no of the sinner than the empty yes of the religious. Let let me read to you exactly what Jesus says about this. This is in Matthew 21. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. The man came to the second and said the same thing, and he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the Father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. (laughs) What, what, What do I mean by this? At least if you're saying no to God, and you're fleeing his presence, and he told you to do this, and you, you know what the command is, and you're not doing it, and you're fleeing from him, at least you know where you stand. You're not doing it. You're outside of God's grace. Jonah, Jonah was always very clear on where he was. I am disobeying. That's why this storm is coming. Here's the problem with the empty yes of the religious is you can end up saying yes, singing yes, and deceive yourself into that you're, that you're doing yes. And it's very hard to get right because of deception. Here's, here's how the book of James says it. Don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. No, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself that we can actually deceive ourselves by having a religion that says yes with no intention of actually changing our lives and doing what God actually said. And it's really bad. It's really bad for us, but it's also really bad for the world. It's really bad for our families because here we're, we say we're Christians, but we're really not doing what Christians do. And we end up living a life of hypocrisy that that makes people not want to live for God. David said this, you desire truth in the inmost parts. Folks, be honest. Just get honest with God. Get honest with yourself. it, It takes courage to be honest, doesn't it? What's really going on? And Jonah, for all of his problems, at least he's honest. But then, the Bible says this. 
The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And guess what it was? The exact same word. He already said no to that one. I don't want to do that one. Give me something else to work with. Nope. Word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. And it's the exact same. God basically says this. Do what I told you to do. Give the message I told you to give. This is really, it's really important to understand this with God. God doesn't move on because we don't want to do the last thing he told us. My daughter Bethany nannied uh, a family, and I'm going to change the name so that it wouldn't be revealed, but she, the, the, there was a, a girl and her younger brother, and the girl's name, we're going to call her Haley. And Haley uh, did something mean to her little brother, and Beth said, you need, to, you need to say that you're sorry and ask him to forgive you. And she's like, nope, not doing it. He deserved it. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And Beth's like, no, you are, you are, you are going gonna to do that. Now I'm not, not going to do it. Then you're going to go in your room. All right, I'll go in my room. You're not going to get any dinner. You're not going to get any privileges. Nope, not going to do it, not going to do it. Now Haley did not realize, poor thing, that she had met a will stronger than her own. <laughs> and, and so what happened is Haley starts whining and crying, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, can I just watch a little TV? Can I da 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 And Beth, Beth was entirely unmoved by any, anything. Are you ready to say sorry? No, I, I, I'm not going to say sorry. I'm not going to say sorry. I'll be in here forever. Beth's like, yep, you will. <laughs> you will, because you're not coming out. Until you do what I told you to do. And here's what, here's the problem. Is we are very used to man. We're very used to, and I don't know what Haley's parents were like, but I can imagine that they were sympathetic to Haley and poor thing and da 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 da. And eventually they just caved in and gave her whatever she wanted. But she had met a different will, one that was stronger than any will she had confronted before that was absolutely immovable. And folks, this is what God is like. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It, it, and it doesn't mean that he doesn't sympathize with our pain. It just means this. He is king, he is Lord, he is master. And when he tells you to do something, or when he tells you to stop doing something, he's not going to change his mind because you're in pain. You're going to actually have to obey him. And what I've learned is why not do it sooner rather than later? I don't like suffering. I don't, I don't like being in pain. And I'm like, let's just get it over with, all right? This is the hard thing I'm supposed to do or the thing I'm supposed to stop doing. Let's do it. Holy Spirit, help me. But let's do this thing. Let's just, let's get on with it. Point three. Isn't this a fun message? We're now on point three. Last, last point. Disabled or healed. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So the Hebrews, they're Hebrew Christians. 
They were saved. They were on fire. They had served God. They had lived for God. And they had gone through persecution that they had endured gratefully. They were grateful and praising God early on. But it's gotten old. And their life is hard. And their, their Jewish friends all want them back at the synagogue. And all they need to do is leave off Jesus and leave off their gospel stuff. And, and they can be accepted again in community. And they're being sorely, sorely tempted because of how difficult their life is. And they're being very tempted. And, and as Paul, I think Paul wrote Hebrews, others think other people wrote it, we'll just call him the author of Hebrews, is saying, you are, you are in danger right now. God's discipline is not rejecting you or, or hating you. God loves you. But this is about your eternity. He is disciplining you so that you will share his holiness for all eternity. Don't leave it for, because your life's a little uncomfortable right now. Don't leave what God is doing. Don't allow yourself to be disabled. But rather, come into God's full healing for you. For an example of those that become disabled, I want to give you Cain and, and to understand how a person becomes disabled. This is Genesis 4.13. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. My punishment is too great for me to bear. So here's Cain's story. Cain and Abel bring a sacrifice to God and God accepts Abel's sacrifice and he doesn't accept Cain's sacrifice and, and Cain becomes very angry at God and God comes to him and says, why is your countenance uh, downcast? He, he said, if you do what is right, you will, you will, it will go well with you. But if you refuse, if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out because sin is crouching at the door and its desire is to control you. So this is all started by God telling them the sacrifice they were supposed to bring. We don't know what God told them, but God did tell them the sacrifice he wanted. And Abel gave God the sacrifice that God asked for, and Cain gave him a sacrifice of his own making. Cain had a better idea, and he offered God what he thought God should accept, and God didn't accept it. And God said, if you refuse to do what is right, watch out, because sin, is its desire is to control you. And so... He's already said no to the word of God. He's already fled from God's word. God pursues him in discipline. He, he gives in to sin and kills his brother Abel, and God comes to him again with discipline. And here's what Abel says. It's not fair. Your punishment's too difficult. It's too hard. You're too hard. You're too punished. You're, you're, you're unfair. You are not good. And then this is what it says. This is one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. Genesis 4, 16. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod. The word Nod means wandering. 
whenever we leave the presence of God, we're going to feel like we're wandering. We're just wandering around. But when you settle in the land of wandering, it's really bad. That means you made a decision. This is going to be the rest of my life. I'm settling in a life of wandering. When Tom Alexander was here a few weeks ago, he said this in one of the services. He said, you know, because it says that apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. And people say all the time, no, I can do stuff apart from God. I can do all kinds of stuff apart from God. I don't need God. I can do all kinds of stuff. And here's what Tom said. Yeah, I, I didn't say you couldn't be active, but you're going to be like a sweaty hamster. Yeah, you're going to work, you're going to be active, you're going to build cities. Cain did a lot of stuff, but it's all in a circle. It's all in a circle, just like a hamster. And at the end of the day, you will have gotten nowhere except sweaty. That, that's what the life settling in the life of wandering is. Can you flee the presence of God? Can you flee fellowship with God and do your own thing? Absolutely. Can you get anywhere, actually get anywhere? Maybe a little in man's eyes, but not in God's. Augustine said this, we were made for you and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. This is what you were made for. Every single one in this room, you were made for his presence. You were made to find your rest. You were made to live out of this place of intimacy with God where you and God do this thing together. All discipline is to bring us back to that place. So what is the enemy trying to get us to? How, why do people settle in the land of Nod? Why would anyone settle in the land of Wander? You, you have to believe something wrong about who God is. You have to interpret your difficulties and your hardship as God doesn't like me, God isn't for me, God isn't good. And I'm not talking about in your head, I'm talking about in your heart, what you really think in your heart. Because if you really think God's against you, if you really think God's not completely good, he's only good to these people, but he's not good to people like me, you're going to live at a distance from God. You're going to be disabled. And you're not going to be able to function right. And nothing's going to work in your life, even if you're really, really active. The enemy is a liar. Just because life is hard does not mean God isn't good. Just because your life isn't working right now does not mean that God is against you. God is for you. Do you know what he says to the, in Hebrews 12? He says, listen, don't be discouraged by the Lord's discipline. It is a sign of his love and of his acceptance. He loves you. He accepts you. He, you're, the, life is hard because he loves you so much. He's shining you up. He's strengthening you. He's getting you ready for all that he has for you, not just in time, but for all eternity. Buck up. That's, what he, that's, the, that's my translation. Strengthen weak knees. When you're disciplined, strengthen your weakness, buck up. 
God is for you. Sometimes you just got to say that to yourself. God is for me. God wants me to win. God wants me to make it. God is good. God is good all the time. Sometimes you just got to proclaim that. When all those armies came out against Israel, and, and it looked like they were going to be devoured, and, they were, and, 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 and God came and said, you're not even going to have to fight. Just go out, face the enemy, and stand still and see the salvation of God. And so the next day, Jehoshaphat sends out the singers. The singers go first, and here's the song that they sing. The Lord is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And the Bible says that as they began to sing, God sent ambushes against the enemy. God was waiting for somebody to affirm his goodness in the midst of their darkness. He was waiting for somebody to get their eyes off the enemy and get their eyes on him and affirm who he is so that he could come and rescue and heal and do all those things that only God can do. So it says about Jonah that he got up and he obeyed God. The discipline of the Lord healed Jonah. Charles Finney, great revivalist in the 19th century, said this, revival is simply a new obedience to God. Psalm 119.67, listen to what David said. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. I did not let the affliction that you allowed to come on me turn me from you. I changed my ways. I got it straight. I saw the affliction that you allowed happen to take a hold of my straying heart, and now I'm back. Now I'm healed. Now I am in a place of obedience. So what is the gist of this message? We need you off the disabled list. Is anybody excited about the Packers this year? Now, what I just heard, I had one guy, a Bear fan, said no, which I expected that. But from the rest of us, here's what I heard. We're, we're going to wait to find out what happens. Here's why. Packers broke our heart last year. Aaron Rodgers went down, the Vikings guy, you know, dislocated, and and then he was was put on the disabled list. And it was so hard watching those games because every single game was a must win. And I remember one specific game, we were playing the Bears, actually, and we were losing to the Bears, and Brett Hundley, God bless him, he's our backup quarterback, and he keeps throwing interceptions and bad things, and every time Brett Hundley does anything, they show Aaron Rodgers, he's in street clothes on the sidelines. There he is, on the disabled list. He's still on the team. He's still loved. He's still honored for all of the sacrifices he's made in the past and all the great things he's done in the past. But you know what? We need him in the game right now. We need him on the field, not on the sidelines watching. 
Guys, I, I, I believe God is up to something in our day. Even as he was up to something in that day, next week we will talk about revival. A tremendous revival came to Nineveh. Anybody that looked at it could easily have assumed that what, what God was going to do was judge and destroy Nineveh. And it turns out that what was on his heart was revival. His heart was a new beginning. Guys, I believe this with all my heart. We'll talk about it next week. I don't think God's thinking thoughts of judgment for America. I think he's thinking thoughts of revival. But he needs, he needs a people to partner with him. He, he needs us to rise up in this hour and join him. I know it's easy to get on the disabled list for a thousand reasons. You're, you're discouraged, you're depressed, you, 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 you fell into sin, somebody criticized you, you're not appreciated, you're, you're, you're distracted by life, you're, there's a thousand reasons to be on that disabled list and still loved, still honored, still have a history in God where you did things in the past and you were active in the past, but we need you in the game right now. We need you to, to instead of allowing yourself to be disabled, we need you to say to God, God, I, I'm, I, 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 you have to self-identify. I can't identify you. You have to self-identify. You and God know where you are. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you've settled in wandering, you and God know it. It's not mine to judge who is or who isn't or whatever. You have to self-identify. But if you're willing to be honest with God, say, mm, yeah, that's probably me. That's the first step of going back in the game. So we had a young adult that, uh, uh, we, we did testimonies a few Tuesday nights ago from the Intimacy with God conference, and we just opened up the mic on, on Tuesday to just give testimonies of what God was doing. I really encouraged introverts to speak, and the next day, a young adult extrovert emailed me and he said, thank you for giving me permission to not share this last night, but I wanted to tell you what happened to me. And I'm like, dude, can I share this? He said, share it. Whatever you want to share, share. <clears throat> so this is what happened to him. This is his testimony. My thoughts begin with a scene from a movie. In The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, there is a king named Theoden who is possessed by another wizard. When the good guys visit him, they are able to release him from the oppression. Everything suddenly changes for Theoden. His face changes from old and exhausted to being more youthful and regal. Color returns to his once pale skin. As if to encourage the newly restored king, Gandalf says, your fingers would remember their strength better if they grasped your sword. Theoden takes hold of his sword and starts to remember who he is. After a few moments, he turns his gaze towards the one who had spoken lies to him in the first place. His target, a few moments ago in a position of control, is now terrified to face the wrath and might of Theoden. During the Intimacy with God conference, I served on the prophetic prayer team. I find that slightly ironic because at times I'm a little cynical about the prophetic. I was also a little disillusioned about what God was doing in my life, remembering a time when my heart was on fire for him and thinking, 
Where has that passion gone? But I decided to step out in faith and see what the Lord would do. I was so shocked at how well it went. Somehow, amazing words of encouragement and truth came out of the whole team. For me, I had not had the experience of giving such precise and powerful prophetic encouragement. Afterwards, I reflected with my friend who was also on the team and also wrestled with issues of disillusionment. We both felt like stepping out in and exercising the gifts God had given us somehow also increased our faith and stirred up a passion for the Lord. I think that sometimes we simply need to grasp our sword to remember who we are again. The enemy wants us to suppress our gifts. Remaining in this place of suppression is a recipe for disillusionment, despair, and doubt. I I appreciate the alliteration as a pastor. How can we fight for the kingdom if we do not know who we are? I sense that there are two outpourings for City Church. The first is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where we receive refreshment from God, where we breathe free air again where we are infilled with passion, understanding, and anointing. The second outpouring is where we exercise our gifts. We pour out the oil we have received, and in exercising our gifts, become more deeply rooted and grounded in Christ and in who he says we are. Sometimes the word of the Lord is not about us to stop doing something we're doing wrong. Sometimes the word of the Lord, like it was to Jonah, is to start doing something that I'm calling you to do. And I want to encourage you today. If where you think you are is kind of in the cave of discouragement with Elijah, Love God, serve God, but Elijah was just burned out. He was burned out by the world. He was burned out by what he thought God had promised that God wasn't doing, and he was just just in this cave, and God whispers to him, what are you doing here, beloved? And he gives him the reason, and he, he pours it out, and then God says this, I need you to leave this cave And I need you to do some very specific things. I want you to go anoint Jehu. Jehu's gonna take care of Jezebel. I need you to anoint Elisha. Elisha is gonna be part of that revival you've prayed about and we're hoping was right now. I need you to take up your sword. I need you to leave this cave of discouragement that you chose to go to. I need you to take up your sword and get out of this place and go do something again. And you know what? He went out and he did what God told him to do. And all of a sudden, the river started to flow again in his life. Just like this young adult that started using what God had given him, already given him. And there's no one that finishes better in all scripture than Elijah. How can you finish better than having chariots come down from heaven and you not even dying? You're just going, boom. Does it get better than that? I don't think so. All right, so can we stand together? I'm going to ask the worship team to come.
If you've seen the two towers, that scene is unbelievable. Here's Theoden, a king. He's a king. He's royalty. But something's been whispering in his ear. The guy's name is Wormtongue. <laughs> and he's been speaking in his ear. And the, he's been listening to those lies. And it's disabled him. Even though he's still a king. Even though he's still beloved. Even though he still has authority. He can't use it. He is disabled. He is on the sidelines. And then this amazing picture of deliverance coming to him and the breathe the free air. Guys, this is, this is the power of the Holy Spirit today. You are a king. You are royalty before God. He has made us a kingdom of priests before our God. You are this. Jesus made you that. That is who you are in the heavens. And that doesn't change just because you're in a bad place. It's just that we forget it and we start thinking we're what the lies are and we're pretty soon our, our hands are so heavy we can't do anything and the Holy Spirit wants to come today and set you free in a moment. He wants you to breathe the free air again. What is the free air? Here's the free air. I am loved right now. I, Jesus died for me. He's got a new beginning for me right now. What is the free air? I get to come as I am. I don't have to impress him. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to be somehow, some type of religious thing. I get to come just as I am. Honest to God. Here it is. Here, yeah, here it all is. And here's what he says. Yeah, come on, bring it. Come to me. You are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Jesus said this, no one who comes to me will I in any way cast away. He's been waiting for you to come. He's not waiting to send you away. He's waiting for you to come. Breathe the free air again. Engage again in your heart. And then re-engage the word of God. If he told you to stop doing something, then tell him you're going to stop doing it with his help. Stop justifying yourself. Stop saying it's okay. Stop saying everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Why is this wrong? Why is this wrong? You know what? You're wasting your words. You're not going to convince God. He's God. You don't manipulate God. You can manipulate people, but you can't manipulate God. Why am I still talking? Let's pray. If you're, the, if you're any of that, would you just open your arms before the Lord? Lord, I just feel your great, great love for your people. I feel your great expectation of this hour. And you want every single one of us in the game. You want us not on the sidelines anymore. You don't want us from afar. You don't want us just recollecting a Christianity of yesterday. Lord, our best days are in front of us, not behind us. But you need us to breathe the free air again. We bring you our junk. We bring you our disobedience. We bring you our bad attitude, Jesus. We bring you our wandering. We bring you the sweaty hamster. We bring it to you, Jesus, and say, oh God, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, I accept your love. Oh God, let me breathe the free air of your presence again. 
Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. Holy Spirit, come. Come and break the lies of worm tongue. Break the lies of, of that you're against us, that you've rejected us, that you're not good, that you're not love. We reject all of those lies in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, would you help us to take our sword again? Would you help us, Lord Jesus, to do what you're calling us to do, to step out and reach the people you're calling us to reach? If it is, I want you to go to Nineveh, and Nineveh was the sworn enemy. I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to actually speak love to them. I want you to speak words. God, for your presence, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll make it right with our enemies. We'll make it right with our parents. We'll make it right with our spouse. We'll do hard things because we value your presence above all things. And we want to be in the game of what you're doing in these days. Individually, but God, we also want to be in it together. You want to do something in this church and through this church that's really, really big in our day. And Lord, I want to be part of it. I don't want to be on the sidelines. So would you help me and would you help my brothers and sisters? And we're very honest with you. We don't know what that would look like. But we, we want to agree with you. Lord, you wanted to save Nineveh. You had an answer for Nineveh. And it wasn't a political answer, it was revival. You've got an answer for America, and it's not Republican or Democrat. You have got a plan for America, and it involves repentance, it involves revival, it, it, it involves a move of the Holy Spirit. And we want to be part of that, God. So help us to choose this new obedience to you today, I pray in Jesus' name. We're going to have some ministry teams up front. And uh, come on, Lord. Do this, God. Woo! Have a good day.